When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name is David Reed, and this is Marek Larwood. Hello, Marek. Hello, David. Are you all right there? Not really, no. Oh, why not? Because moments before his podcast started, your brother, yeah, John Reed, that's right, yes, difficult customer of the uh, Camden Kongs fame, well, of the Camden Kongs football team. Football team. I always said he's going for a drink after I've done the podcast, and I tried to invite myself for along. You did, and with his friend Tommy, alleged friend called Tommy, even though there's no one called Tommy of our in our generation. No, uh, everyone called Tommy died in the war. Didn't or they? blind pinball players. <laughs> that's right. Anyway. He said oh, I couldn't come for a drink, and then said I look like I might be an alcoholic. Just looked like he looked that's like, really bad though. I think that is worse. Alcoholics almost. have got red faces. I don't even look like an alcoholic. I don't think you do at all. Why don't you say? Why don't you say? Matt doesn't look like an alcoholic. Why are you leaving well, till you now? Could, you could uh, defend yourself, can't you? I think Did, I think it would have been quite patronising for me to go. Whoa, there, John Marrick is a. a a upstanding gentleman, and as sober as they come. Thank no, but you I'm, very not, much. I'm not a, a completely sober. And this sounds like I am an alcoholic. <laughs> I like a glass of red wine on maybe uh, two or three times a week. Sure, two times, twice a week. Yeah. Um, no, well, that, I I didn't think it was such a laughable accusation. I thought it didn't need defending. But surely, sometimes, uh, in life in general. By not uh, saying anything, we're agreeing with... Uh, we're tacitly agreeing with yes. what is being said. Well, maybe, maybe. That's what I felt. Uh, the bad guys win when the good guys do nothing. A difficult start to the podcast. A difficult, difficult start. I was in Edinburgh recently for the Edinburgh Festival. Oh, well done. And uh, I, I saw Inside Out, which we've talked about before. Oh, what did you think of it? I enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Um, Conce- very clever. Conceptually, conceptually brilliant, beautiful. Yeah. They have a problem. I think, and I've wrapped my brains on this, and uh, this is the latest Pixar, if, if you're not in the know, about um, emotions being uh, anthropomorphised in the brain of a young girl called Riley. Um, what does anthropomorphised mean? Uh, given human traits, characteristics. Um, I'm going to anthropomorphise. <laughs> you got too excited there. The I'm words gonna, didn't come out of your mouth. I want to ant- <laughs> Anthropomorphise. I'm this rubbish now. Oh, okay. All you're going to say is, I want to anthropomorphise my dick. But <laughs> now it just sounds quite resigned. I don't know what it means. Um, I think the problem they have in that film is that um, 
because their lead characters are uh, anthropomorphized emotions, you've got joy and sadness being the main ones, they are one-dimensional characters. And I think that is where it falls down from and, and ah, prevents it being a classic. Joy never really deviates from joy at all. It's not just her principal characteristic, it's almost her only characteristic, and sadness is the same. And so they're not Buzz and Woody. Yeah. You know, they're not characters who, who are quite interesting and, and uh, diverse and can react to things in different ways. That's they become point. one note, and therefore we we care slightly less about what happens to them in their adventure. And I think that's the I I think they've written themselves into a corner with their frankly wonderful concept. Arseholes. Um, <laughs> yeah. You're right though, so those people who are nice the whole time, I never like them. Mm. Yeah, just if they've just hit you know the idea, the very idea that the concept of a kid's film is asking the question, what is sadness for? It's, it's a brilliant idea for a kid's film, you know, rather than imagine if cars could talk. You know, it's 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 a beautiful concept, and it, it's largely brilliantly done. I just think they, they slightly suffer from this one little flaw in it that we can't really get to know these characters very well, that it becomes quite superficial for all that it is quite an in-depth idea. Do you think Pixar should do a sex education film? I don't. No, I don't think that should happen. Okay. Well, um, what called called genitals or something? Where it's what do the genitals get up to when we're asleep? I just think that'd be a good way of doing it to save a lot of birds and the bees film. Mm. Oh, that, okay. So it's actually about birds and bees. Well, no, no, it could be, but but it's a way that it's a sex education film. If they did that, that would it would be a slow running hit for years and years and years. As you, yeah. Well, I don't think America's ready for for that. I'm ready. You're ready. So there's a market of one right there. Um, Your yeah. brother John would definitely watch it. Oh, he definitely would. But he's uh, he's uh, drinking with his friend Tommy. He's gone upstairs to play on the computer. He has. And we all know what that means in this modern age. You think he's drinking alone? No. Oh, right. No. Yeah, I've been quite sordid this episode. You have been. I think you've been quite bruised by, um, by well, John's hurtful comment. Um but um, in Edinburgh, in Edinburgh Festival, well, I went to my favourite cinema in Edinburgh, the Cameo. Yes. Um, went there for a glass of wine. Uh, Thank you back to uh, how you like a glass of wine. Um, yeah, it's a lovely place. Lovely place. I want and to it's still the... there, independent cinema that's still thriving, which is nice. We filmed a scene for an Impractical Jokers show I did there, which did you? didn't make the actual final thing. Oh, that's a shame. A point, another point in the story which is of no interest to anyone. Fantastic. But what is of interest is that you went and saw some of a film. I did. Um, Trainwreck, uh, starring Amy Schumer. Uh, written by and starring Amy Schumer, I'm pretty sure. Everyone's um, banging on about Amy Schumer. Like yes. She's a new messiah. Have you seen any of her stuff? I've seen a bit online. I think they just over. she's just being overhyped like she's just this comedy god. And no one's perfect, are they? No, I mean, but that's that's hardly her fault. I mean, that'll just be the money men swarming around her, really. I do like her stuff. I like her sketches that I've seen online. Um, and I think what she's got, which is too often ignored these days in comedy, is she's got her own voice 
that her own attitudes to stuff and uh, that is what her her comedy is about it's why Louis CK is so popular because he's exactly the same he's got opinions that aren't just what you'll hear every day when you're talking to people at the office it's not the it's not the style of comedy we have here specifically in stand up these days where audiences seem to want their own opinions just voiced back to them by people doing gags. Why is cheese so expensive? Yeah, exactly. You know, whereas she's got, she's a bit, she's more interesting than that. And of course, for her show, she'll have a team of writers like everybody does in the US, but she has got her own voice. And often when you get successful TV comics in the States, they get given a movie vehicle and it instantly becomes uh, pap because there's sort of the, the law of, of, you know, the lure, I should say, with a, with a U, um, of money and just, you know... Tell me about it. I know, God. I, I keep having to turn them down. But um, Trainwreck is her film, absolutely, and it's got her own voice and she's portraying a, a female character you won't have seen what, before uh, in a so movie. So she's someone who's got problems going on dates or something, right? She just is... Uh, she likes sex. She doesn't like being tied down in a relationship with Whoa. people. And um, she's, yeah, she just sort of is, she's who she is. And she's, it's not, it's not portrayed as necessarily a bad thing. She's a bit of a mess, but it's, she's just living her life how she sees she wants to live Does it. Does she look like an alcoholic? Um, no, no, not at all. She's not that kind of train wreck. So if someone um, said Amy Schumer looks like an alcoholic, you immediately you would say... You are like the English Amy Schumer, actually, I think. I can see a lot of her in you. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Um, her sister is played by um, Brie Larson, who uh, uh, who is sort of her little sister, and she's uh, very sort of trad and, uh, and married with kids and is very sort of uh, normal. And this sort of the. How well do I know Brie Larson? Brie Larson played Abed's girlfriend in uh, Community briefly. Uh, if you ever watch Community, um, she's done other stuff. She's very. I think she's sort of up and coming, as they say. But anyway, um, Bill Hader is the uh, the other guy who she has to write an article about. She works for a magazine, the editor of which is uh, uh, Tilda Swinton, and uh, she has to write about this sports. Um, Physiotherapist, who's a big guy. He's uh, he's suddenly like the physiotherapist to the biggest basketball stars or whatever, and so she has to interview him, and it's a sort of oh LeBron James in it. Yeah, he's very funny in it. Actually, he's very good. He just... Have you seen him play basketball? No, I haven't. I haven't. So to, to me, he was just a funny actor. Really? But yeah, yeah. He was great. He was really, really good in it. Um, but no, it's. It's it's a genuinely funny film with it. It's got its uh, its own voice, and it's not just another one of these bloody rom coms. It, it's more interesting than that, you know. Um, well, Tilda Swinton's in it as well. Then mm. she's playing a British, you know, uh, magazine editor who's basically entirely amoral and selfish, and you know, one of these media characters who is always pushing her employees to do terrible things with their lives in the name of journalism and, you know, is write it, about it. Is it a date film? Uh, it depends. Uh, your date would have to sort of have a bit of a sense of humour. I, th- I think it's a bit gross. There's lots of sex stuff in it. Like, um, the 
WWE wrestler John Cena is in it as uh, Amy's boyfriend at the beginning. And there's some really good stuff where she's asking him to do dirty talk. Uh, at least says he's not good John at Cena, it. John Cena, the really, really skinny guy. No, huge. Um, uh, he's absolutely huge. I'm thinking of someone else. Just thinking of Michael Serra. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's a very different man. Very different. In my head, I had Michael Serra uh, in WWF. I mean, that, surely that's a miscast. I think that's a miscast. No, he's absolutely huge, John Cena. But... It's a great it's a great scene early on where she's asking him to do dirty talk while they're in bed together and he just ends up just uh, repeating sort of weightlifting lines <laughs> and stuff about protein. <laughs> he's just he can't do it. It's really good. But he's very good in it, he's very funny. But no, it's 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 worth seeing. If you like Amy Schumer's stuff then see it. Like and if you don't know her stuff then it's it's interesting, it's good, it's somebody making their own thing. How many Davies do you give it? Uh, probably, I think i give it seven. A reasonable score. Reasonable score, it's got a good Rotten Tomatoes rating, people seem to have liked it, by and large. Mm. Well, go see it then. If you go like, and see Trainwreck, why if not? If you like films, go and <laughs> see you like it. Films. Uh, it. It's actually fairly rare that a comedy is funny when it's in the cinema, I think. They off, they're more often misses than hits. So. Or it's funny for 20 minutes and it goes. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I'll tell you what, though. What's that? What time do you think it is now? What time do I think it is? Yeah, in terms of the show. Is it sausage time? No. Oh, uh, oh is it letters time? Yes, It's please. letters time. Who's been writing in to us and what on earth do they want and why won't they leave us alone? Natalie Cook has written in. Okay, but Natalie. not as any Natalie Cook. Natalie H. Cook. Good. It's my favourite of the Natalie Cooks. Um, Should I read it? Yeah. There's no voice specified. Oh, here we go. Given an, dear David American buddy, given the nature of my question, perhaps accent should be Star Wars based. Yoda, Leah, or even Chewbacca, if you think you can make it comprehensible, well, whatever you that fancy. That would be impossible. So, what Chewbacca. I don't know how you do a Princess Leia impersonation. Well, Chewbacca would, would just be like an alcoholic, wouldn't it? <laughs> Can you do Chewbacca? I'm going to do Chewbacca cross between the the sort of person from Charlie Says, the cat from Charlie Says. <laughs> okay, so oh, Chewbacca's do... young nephew. I'm going to do it Henry's cat. <laughs> Henry's cat, which is probably some related to. Do you remember Henry's cat, the I cartoon? I do, I do remember Henry's cat. I've never seen Star That was on that Henry's cat. No. Wow, Henry's cat. Henry's cat is um, basically Ken Campbell. Oh, well, I'm going to do it as Henry's cat. <laughs> I've never seen Star Wars. Just quite a lot of clips and parodies. It just seems to have passed me by due to my age. Parents' lack of interest not caring all that much. And given that secret cinema are doing Empire Strikes Back... And a new one is out this year. I thought there may be a cinema, brackets are dilly in London, planning to show the rest of them. Very well aware that the second lot I've considered to be a bit shit, or at least the very first one. Have any of you or any listeners got any idea if anywhere in or near London is showing the first Star Wars film? Help me, Film Fandango. You're my only hope. Well, not only hope. I'll probably get just a DVD or something. There isn't anything. If there isn't anything. Uh, 
Also, despite my evident lack of film knowledge, I think I may have an IMDb score of one, I love listening to the podcast. Oh, so please do keep watching the films. Oh, thanks for that. Where would you go? I will just wait, because they're going to be, there'll be some, they always the do that thing, don't they? Pre-Star Wars hype for the new ones, that, uh, the number seven's coming out this Christmas, has been preposterous in the number of companies they have got to tie in and do Star Wars stuff. Have you seen, I think it's Rimmel have released Star Wars makeup. That's how stupid wow. it's all got. Yeah, it's and they've announced that Disneyland is going to have an enormous Star Wars world you can go and visit as well. And it's it's just been this endless just like Star Warsification of all commercial property. But you know, which is fine. I I am in sort of I'm hoping they make a good film out of it. But I imagine they'll re-release them in the cinemas beforehand or get... Uh, somewhere the like Prince the Charles. Charles yeah, Prince Charles is what, I would keep thing. an eye on their website to have a look. The Prince Charles would be exactly the sort of place to show stuff. They've done stuff before where they show they show the Lord of the Rings the whole thing, haven't they? Yeah, but yeah, one sitting kind of thing. They'll do... I guarantee the Prince Charles... I would put money on them doing a whole Star Wars city. But whether they would show the prequels or I don't, not... Who wants to watch that? No show? one wants to watch those. They're t- terrible, terrible films. Um... Yeah, I half hope that they go back and remake them, but I know they won't. Um, yeah, they should do. But they? write different stories, you know? Just write a different origin for those, yeah. uh, those things. It is an email. Oh, yeah, yeah. Are you excited by Star Wars, just to go on this for a bit? I'm not a big Star Wars fan, but it does... I do, but I do... I've never been a big Star Wars fan, but I'm a big J.J. Abrams fan. Did it miss... What... what uh, cause, I I I was a huge Star Wars fan, and I have to admit, uh, as a kid, and I have to admit, it was mostly through um, the toys because I well, loved I the toys. All the figures. I remember, yeah. I remember going to see Return of the Jedi. I remember going. I think Empire Strikes Back, one of the first films I had seen. I've got a, an old scrapbook with an Empire, uh, Empire Strikes Back lollipop cover, <laughs> you know, which is probably worth a million pounds. Probably worth a million pounds. But uh, and the figures are great. Going to Tesco's and then looking the best idea ever having on the back of the Star Wars figures all the pictures of all the ones you could yeah. get well, about a hundred so Incredible. you sit there and look at them I all. had so many of them as well but I was I would get them from jumble sales and stuff I couldn't afford them you know, I'd that's get what might happen to all my Star Wars figures yeah, you've probably yeah. got mine probably have I probably have It's um, I have um, a paperback comic book by Marvel um, so it's got Spider-Man on the spine of the whole of Empire Strikes Back as a comic. Wow, that's probably worth something. I've got some. some you're supposed to write your on the like in Woody, don't you? you? Put your initials on the feet. The Star Wars for yours. Is that right? That's yeah. the problem that you could. Well, they had holes in their feet though, yeah. didn't they, to stand on things? But you, you could. But everyone only had one stormtrooper. They no, did, I only I had one stormtrooper and one snow one. Uh, and not yet yeah, one snow one and four Lando Calrissians. <laughs> Weird, huh? Why not? Yeah, it's in different good. clothes, obviously. Um, yeah, no, I absolutely love them. So I, I dare believe that this is going to be good, and I am looking forward to it because it's just so much part of my upbringing, you know, Star Wars. And I thought, you know, I, I was I was as appalled as everybody else when the prequels came out and they weren't very good, and you know, felt all of those emotions of oh, you've broken my childhood. You know, Star Wars was mine. It's not about Jar Jar Binks. And of course, then you think back, you go, it wasn't mine. It came out in '77, long before I was born. You know, my generation was the generation that they 
that the Ewoks was created for. So for the previous generation, my dad's generation or whoever, um, who thought that the Ewoks were dumbing down the series, that was for my lot, who were tiny kids and absolutely loved the Ewoks. My generation were the, the guys who watched it on television what when it came out on Christmas, 82. So, uh, yeah, so, yeah, they, sort of, I'm the beginning... The, my generation's the part of the problem, I suppose. I'm the Empire Strikes Back generation. That's it. You're the grumpy one. Uh, the alcoholic one. Um, who's this and what do they want? It's Jack Cooper. What accent does he want? He doesn't say. Okay. Jack Cooper? He's a Cooper. Makes barrels. Okay, go for it. Right. Hi, team. A few years ago, I backed a documentary on Kickstarter called The Death of Superman Lives. But Superman lives. But I think it's Superman. About the aborted Tim Burton slash Nicolas Cage Superman film. This week I received my digital copy and a double Blu-ray slash DVD pack has been posted. I was going to send you the DVD as I won't ever use it, but figured I might as well give you a download to my digital copy via Google Drive. (laughs) Oh, thanks very much. Anyway, I've seen the film, I bought it because I'm a comic book nerd, but it ended up appealing to me more as a documentary fan. It's essentially a film about Hollywood, development hell, and people who are definitely who definitely are slash were on cocaine. I have some criticisms about the documentary, but won't get bogged down in the negatives. Ultimately, I'd be very surprised if you didn't find this documentary interesting. It's worth it alone for the interviews, the insane producer John Peters, and the behind-the-scenes footage of Nicolas Cage. Easily a seven Jack film. Keep watching the films, Jack Cooper. Thank, um, thank you, Jack. Th- thanks for saying that to us. We haven't got around to watch it yet, but we will. Um... We will. It's it sounds fascinating. It's this odd parallel universe where Tim Burton possibly would have got to make all of DC's um, comic book uh, hero movies because Batman was so successful, and then he started to lose them on with Batman Returns because it got really dark. Uh, you know black stuff just starts oozing out of Danny DeVito's face and it suddenly feels like it's not for kids anymore and they ended up getting nervous and pulling the plug on Superman but Nicolas Cage as Superman is such an odd choice I mean it'd be great have you seen the I've seen photos of him trying on the suit and it looks almost neon and he's got shoulder length sort of Michael Ball hair and it's weird Burton was going to emphasise really embrace the fact he was an alien and make oh, him okay. as alien as possible, really. We should watch that thing then. That we should, good. we should. It'd be interesting. Thanks for that, Jack. Uh, time for one more? Sure. We've got a uh, question for the show from Darren Rogers. He's not giving it. What should I do it as? Uh, do it as sort of a jaunty pirate. Oi. Oh. No? No. Okay. Um, how about as an angry chef? Potato. A potato, okay. Hi, hi all. I really enjoy your recent piece and the hidden gems on Netflix. I wondered if you could do one on Film 4. As a free-to-air channel, it'll be more readyable, readily available to everyone than Netflix and has a good mix of foreign films, old classics and great films that listeners may not have heard of before. For instance, I recently watched Stakeland, which is a vampire film, but narrated and described from the viewpoint of a teenage boy and was really well done. 
I thought I'd seen every vampire film out there, so it was refreshing to find something new. I heartily recommend it and give it eight darrens. Keep watching the films. Film four. I what I do is I just um. It's a good idea. Um, it changed quite a lot. It does lots of stuff on there. They do quite good with Japanese animations, actually. Oh, really? I've not seen a lot of Japanese animation. There's not a lot of good things coming up, though. I Don't Look Now I've not seen, though that's on, on Sunday. Good. That's Sunday the 23rd. One of the scariest final scenes ever. Um, there's a lot of crap. Dark Crystal's on on Monday. I take that off Film 4. Oh. Watch your top. Just set your recorder and get everything on Film 4 and... It's never rubbish. It's always quite interesting what well, they've got on. Well, isn't it? Shutter Island's on there. <laughs> Ruby Sparks is on. By the time that'll be finished, by the time this comes out, so that's of no. That's of no help to you. Yeah, yeah. I've looked through for what's up there that we can see. Uh, Rat Race, I've heard, is absolutely terrible. Um, Underworld Awakening. I have not watched the Underworld. See, franchise. this is what see, the night and day is. Seems to be always on there. Every time I go and look on there, not, I've watched the first ten minutes of it, if I can't be asked with that. Which one's Night and Day? It's uh, Cameron Diaz and oh, Tom. Oh, Tom Cruise, yes. Um, Spirited Away, that's the Japanese people like. Twilight yeah. seems to be... Yeah, and, and Salt's the other one. Night and Day and Salt are always on film four. I've not seen Salt. I've watched about ten minutes Night of Night and Day's fine, it's quite, it's quite fun. You have to sort of like Tom Cruise and Cameron Diaz, I suppose. Panic Room, Jodie Foster, not seen it. It's supposed to be quite good. That's coming up mm, on film It's all right. The problem with Panic Room is its villains aren't scary. Its villains are Jared Leto and um, Forrest Whitaker. And they're both sort of adorable. <laughs> uh, i tell you what, though. Wednesday the 19th of August. Yeah. That's tomorrow, so you're going to miss it. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Well, I was looking from when we're going to uh, upload. Yeah, so this is um, so, uh, so we're recording it on a Tuesday, so I've completely ruined it. You, yeah. Uh, Shutter Island, did you mention that? Yeah, I hate that film. It's rubbish. I think it's very good. <laughs> to you. Yeah. Uh, Danielle Ward, uh, one-time uh, co-host of this podcast, I promise you because I was there, guessed the twist fourteen seconds into the film Shutter Island. Wow. Yeah. Black Swans coming up if you like that. Uh, uh, yeah. Again, not great. Fine. Okay. Well, there we go. Pretty film. Uh, Angel Heart. This is a very good vampire. Is it? I've not seen it. A very Angel good Heart. film. Um, what day is that on? It is on Monday, 24th of August at 1.40am, which is a very. Uh, Robert De Niro it's very early. I have to it. record it. And so set your record button for that if you want to hear it. Watch a quite odd. Um, vampire film. Yeah. Angel Hearts doesn't sound like a vampire film, does it? It's sort of a weird. Uh, I watched. It, uh, it's just. Uh, it's got a thingy from the Cosby Show in it. Bill Cosby. No, <laughs> his daughter. One of his, the oldest daughter. Oh, okay. I mean, it, we're going quite off topic here. We are. Um, have you seen Dragon Heart? Speaking of the other uh, Heart films, have you ever seen Dragon the, Heart? The uh, bloke. What's his name in it? Uh, Dennis Quaid. Yeah, I have seen that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with uh, Sean Connery as a dragon and it's Pete right, Popplesweight as a, a sort of bard. It's quite good. Yeah, I, I remember, remember it being right. Fun, you know, fun. All right then, well, i tell you what. What? I haven't been to cinema this week. Get out. Yes. i tell you why. Why? Because I got asked to do one of these Talking Heads programmes. You know the programmes that no one ever watches? Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, you, filler. Yeah, so I'll be the person that people go, uh, when I come on screen, it'll say, Matt Lloyd, it might not even say comedian, it might say bald man. And people from around the country will go, 
Who? Yeah. What? It'll just... Who is it? I hate him. Yeah. So what were you talking about? Were you doing that thing where they, they show you a YouTube clip and then you talk about it immediately afterwards as if you remember it well from the, the time it was originally on? No. <clears throat> well, this is what happened. Right. I'm doing a thing about disaster. It's a disaster film countdown. Yes. And I got sent a list before this weekend of disaster films. That's fun. And I thought, I'd seen a lot of them on there. <coughs> Excuse me. But there were a few really obscure ones I hadn't seen. So I um, uh, thought I would make an effort to watch a lot of disaster films over the weekend. Yes. Which might explain why I'm in a bad mood. Because you should never watch more than two disaster films in a row. I mean, that would be just horrific. Well, I've done it. Oh, Merrick. Yeah, it was, a, it was a disaster of a weekend, I tell you. Well, that all happened. Um, and there were films... <coughs> sorry, excuse me. On that I'd not heard of before. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, so I watched those, and I only to get a new list the day before we're going to film it, where all the films I've watched aren't on there. It's all the normal films. <laughs> that's good of them. The day before as well, that's particularly kind, isn't before. it? So, can you watch these eight films? Can you just... All the ones you've done, can you watch... There's th- here's 30 films. Can you talk about them all? Well, well Marek, it wouldn't have been for naught, because you can talk about them now. Well, I thought, I am not going to throw my life away. Yes, yeah, so I'm going to talk about these... I want to talk about two films. Okay. The first one is a film I've never even heard of. Um, it's called On the Beach. Okay. Which is the... Uh, I mean, for, a t- for on the beach title, you think, oh, you see, it may come out in 1959. It's got Gregory Peck in it. and it doesn't um, sound like a disaster film, I have to like say. It sounds like a nice, happy holiday film. It does. Well, it's not like that at all. Tsunami, is it? It is. Sharknado? A lot of these disaster films, I've watched, I've watched a few films in between 1958 and 1960s. Yeah. And it was the whole first wave of nuclear fear. Ah, you know, the Cuban Missile Crisis yes. in 1962. Yes. And so it spawned... I think like Doctor Strange is one of them, I suppose. All yeah. these films that are... That was, that was the disaster threat at the time. Yeah. Now it's become more sort of terrorism. terrorism. Yeah. yeah. Or plague diseases, something like that. So it's quite odd how that shifted yeah. into this from it being nuclear-based. So this is a, a, an odd film... Who's in it? Gregory Peck. Yeah. So, so I've seen Gregory Peck in To Kill a Mockingbird yeah. and The Omen. Yeah. And I'm not seeing much else. He is fantastic. He's sort of got the... He just adds gravitas to a film like no one else. He is incredible. Imagine Cary Grant and replaced... Uh, he was a sort of other... He was a less humorous leading man, I suppose. Yeah. And he is incredible. And Ava Gardner's in it, who plays his love interest. Um, Fred Astaire... He's he's it's his film made in 1959. He just retired from uh, well, stopped dancing, so acting, a brilliant performance. Really? Yeah. And Anthony Perkins before Psycho. Wow. And it's odd. You see Anthony Perkins in a black and white film. I cannot get that. I can't escape that character. Yeah, yeah. That character yeah. has tainted all of his work. So the story is, there's been a blooming nuclear war, of course. Oh no. The Americans and the Russians have done it. And there's only Who one, started it? You don't. They, they never really say. Mm. So which is quite strange. It's not because a lot of these films were like Just Russians. The Russians but, yeah, yeah. it's never really said. So the only place left is Australia, right? That isn't contaminated. And, contaminated. Yeah. and there's a cloud slowly moving towards Australia. So they they know they're all going to die in five weeks. Wow! And that almost feels as if it's the pace of the film. 
five weeks. It, you know, it, feel, <laughs> it feels that there's a slow impending doom. Yeah. And and what's fascinating about it, other than these uh, major actors in their, it's almost the right. It's, you feel as if they're all about to die. It feels like Ava Gardner is coming towards the end of her. It's a, it's a, that's an odd. That's an odd uh, concept for a disaster movie, though, isn't it? Because it's inevitable, and there's. Actually, it's all ten- quite calm until it happens, isn't it? Like, is it just about humans panicking, or I don't know if it's a change in, in it, it sort of sums up what's changed in the last fifty years in terms of attitude. That it, everyone's whether this is the whole, it, I know it's fictional, but everyone's still wearing their ties and going out. They're all going out. Everyone's drinking a bit more. Yeah. No one's going mental. Yeah. Like now, you think you've got five weeks left. Everywhere it will be rioting. Yeah, yeah. Shit will be going down everywhere. Somehow they've maintained this order and everyone's living this quite orderly life, which is probably well, wrong. But yeah. they're all just a bit like that sort of stiff upper lip thing, right. just facing this tragedy. But they don't. it doesn't sound like they're acting like the rest of the world has been destroyed in the first place. It feels as though it's the, there's an elephant in the room that they're all... This is that, but it, there's this aura of melancholy, which is brilliant. And I think it's aided by the fact that Avogadro is sort of old. She's an old, you know, a, a, a Hollywood beauty yeah. who's at the latter end of her. She's getting older. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Fred Astaire's dance career's over. Now he's. It, it, it's like a retirement acting. home. Yeah, but they're, they're, the end of the world. Their real lives almost sort of. The casting's great. Yeah. Is it good though? Is it good? It sounds intrigue, intriguing. It sounds. I just interesting. think it's incredible. This ever Gregory Peck's a captain of a submarine. And he has to take uh, him and Anthony Perkins have to go. They hear the distress signal in San Diego, and they go all the way from Australia to San Diego to find out what it was in San Francisco. And it's um, it's it, as the main sort of part of the film. All it is, they eventually find it. This bloke goes on anyway. As far as the sport is, but you probably won't watch anyway. Um, some bloke goes up uh, uh, inland to try and find the source of this rate of this yeah. uh, distress signal, and all it is is a. Uh, a Coke bottle has fallen into a uh, blind and it's just banging on oh, no. the the Morse code thing. <laughs> Random things. So they've travelled halfway. And it's quite incredible that... Yeah, that, that yeah. And, they just, and they sort of wryly smile about it. So it's, it's just a slow ending. But the, because we're so used to these disaster films being a huge, fast, you know... Or CGI thing, like... Um, I'm trying to think of the names of them. Uh... What's that one? Something days late. No, what's it called? Day after tomorrow, isn't like that? Day or after tomorrow. Yeah. Deep impact. All these ones, yeah, yeah. Armageddon, where it's all even World War Z to a certain extent. Yeah, it's yeah. all just CGI. Everything falls apart, isn't it? It's uh... and there's, there's something strange about this. How do you cope with it over a long period of time? Yeah. Which is more human in a way. That's you... the, well, threads we come back to yeah. as being again nuclear apocalypse, but the. That one felt so real as to really get under your skin of of the that truth. Is, that of that what is would the happen. best ever disaster film. It is, yeah. Um, I mean, the Poseidon Adventure is the one that everyone holds up, and it's the top of all of the lists. If you Google, you know, best disaster movie yeah. of all time, and that's largely because of Gene Hackman's performance. But in terms of just being about the disaster itself, Threads, I think, wins. It's, uh, this film sounds interesting though it's like, re- different it's, approach you watch it and you think it's really strange how this it, you feel if watch a film at a totally different pace um, and you see the, I haven't seen many of these 
are great actors, you know. Mm. And Gregory Peck is. I remember thinking he was brilliant in one in um, To Kill a Mockingbird. He's just uh, fantastic to watch, and no one really has this feel that he's got a, a real unique feel about him. Yeah. The way that something like Anthony Hopkins has got a certain feel about him, and and there's something also really haunting and alien about Anthony Perkins. Yeah, and he's incredible to watch. They're all and Fred Astaire's got that look of someone tired and he's done his and he's always he's talking about his career you know it, yeah, yeah. it's past I thought it was uh, really unique I can't believe I've not heard of it before how many Marricks would you give it? between six and seven okay I don't know if it's necessarily enjoyable but it's fascinating in that this almost is a window into that uh, era it, it feels like you some of these films are, you feel like you're watching um a bit of history, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the acting's great, and there's a lot of people looking into the distance, you know, with that Hollywood people being whimsical and looking that that sort of look far away look. Yeah, about yeah. Seven Glassy eyes. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. And another one that was on the list, I'd like to bring uh, people's attention to. Okay, so that was on the beach. Was it called the? Bruce? On the beach. On the beach. Uh, and uh, this is one that's on. Um, it's on YouTube. I don't know if it's legal, illegal or not. Uh, it's called "The Day the Earth Caught Fire." I had never heard of it. Is it the sequel to "The Day the Earth Stood Still"? Uh, I I don't <laughs> think it. But that's a famous one. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is that came out in 1961. Okay. And it's set in London. Um, what's great about these films is that you, you, when you're we're obviously based in London. You can see how you're watching how much it's changed. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's a great Hitchcock film? The murder one, when it's set where Covent Garden's the market uh, in the market. The great oh, I was talking about before. M. No, um, sorry, not M. Uh, I'm thinking of Dial M. Um, I haven't seen many Hitchcocks to be honest. Anyway, uh, this is just set in 1961, and it's based around this uh, journalist in Fleet Street. Um, who is called Peter Stenning and he's a bit of an arsehole he's a dick um, and he's trying to get the latest scoop right and the backstory is that the, the Russians and the Americans have been testing nuclear uh, weapons and suddenly all these all this fog appears and the earth starts getting hotter and hotter what they've blooming done is they've only knocked the earth off its blooming axis haven't oh, they the idiots so they knocked it by 11 degrees. So it's closer to the sun, is it? What's going on? It's, ge- it's gradually moving sl- close to the sun. So these films are very similar. That they're both... Sort of inevitable Armageddon, slow-moving Armageddon. And that something. totally changes the pace of the film. Yeah, yeah. It's like this in- impending doom. But again, it has a similar feel to On the Beach, which was well, set in Australia. The only reason you knew the on the beach was in Australia, I forgot to say this, was they kept on playing Waltzing Matilda <laughs> <laughs> constantly underneath. No one had an Australia. They only had the rights to one song. It was just Waltzing Matilda. This has got a real, it just feels like a hot, it's set on this, I think it's a Daily Express. And it's all at the feature, people talking about the stories and then just doing uh, uh, everyone in their, in their ties again with just like getting sweatier and sweatier in each scene. Um... Leo McKern, a young Leo McKern's in it, a younger Leo McKern, right? Uh, uh, and all these other sort of British actors. It really feels like you're watching sort of London and the whole the effect of the war and how they've already been for the 
Second World War, which and is they've only gone and bloody knocked the earth off its axis. Everyone's just oh, well, let's just go on with it, shall we? Yeah, yeah. It's just another. It's but just what, another thing. what would what would you do? Like, yes, there'd be plenty of rioting around, and you'd probably just want to survive as long as possible. But if the news just said that's it, uh, you've got three weeks, and then the earth's going to be gone. Well, three weeks is. I think it's even worse. It's like three months. Three weeks, you can just go right. I'm going to do. It's just enough to do quite a, three months. Is just that odd amount of time. Yeah, yeah. There's no it's point so, doing anything. You long almost term. want it to come sooner. About halfway through the second month, it's like, oh, get a move when, on. I, d- I don't know how to pace this. <laughs> yeah. It's just a little too long. Yeah. Um. If I start, if I, I've said goodbye to everyone. I've I've barricaded the doors against you know looters. It's sort of that awkward goodbye, isn't it? Uh, well, well, I yeah. might see. I don't want to get too emotional because I might see you again before we die. <laughs> Yeah, or when you've gone, when you're leaving a, a dinner party or something like that, you go and you still you say goodbye to people, yeah. and then you're waiting for some prick who's taking ages to say goodbye. To so to by the door, and then it they just take so long. You feel like you have to say goodbye to people again because you've been there for oh, it's the and worst. It seems really insincere. The second, I'd time. rather the earth just exploded and I didn't know it was coming. To be honest, I think what we've learned from these films is it's a lot better if you end the world in two two or three days. Don't wait. Yeah. Have you seen The Knowing? Days. Nicolas Cage film. Yeah, it's awful. Unexpected ending, though, I thought. I I'm not going to spoil it. It's total shit, I remember. It is total shit, but I quite enjoy it. If you want to watch the, uh, a 60s disaster film from the point of view of a Fleet Street journalist, and you do miss that. I felt like I was... In the way, all the papers have moved now. Fleet Street's dead. Yeah, yeah. You get the idea of the press, this, you know... There's a romantic whole, sort of. Uh, it feels like they were, everyone's in the whole building working to do this newspaper, not the print rooms downstairs. Yeah. And the great, the final shot, it, it says uh, that you know they tried to put it back on the axis, and there's two different newspaper stories, and it says the world is saved, the world has ended, you know, the world is doomed. Yeah. They're the two options. And waiting to go to press. Yeah. It's a nice way of doing it. It's you feel like you're watching history as well as watching. Uh, a film which I think yeah. more and more we get as you get older you get more nostalgic about things yeah. I think oh that's what that's what that's what how everyone spoke you know all the ter- all the phrases like come on old chap and all that but yeah, you yeah. don't hear those things in uh, in film and what instead of swearing they say flocking in this a couple of times <laughs> what's the flocking use of that <laughs> which is a Weird. really flocking is a really good fake swear word flocking yeah 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 you, you, flocking is a thing as well what is it like uh, well, I don't know if it's got broader use, but there's uh, a flocking machine I've uh, had used before in a sketch show, which is used by the makeup department, and they apply glue to your face in the shape of a beard, and then use a flocking machine, which has tiny hairs uh, in a like hopper on the back, and it blows them onto your face, but also statically charges them so they stick up. Wow. So when they hit your face, they're on end. So you can get a fake beard of hair that's actually sticking out from your face. That's really good. Flocking. Yeah. So watch those two films that you probably would never have heard of. If you have heard of them, I'd be surprised. Anyway, that's what I've got to say about that. All right. All right. Well, that's good. Oh, disaster movies generally, though. What's your favourite? What's uh... I think Threads is the best one. Yeah. 
Children um, of Men, I think, is absolutely fantastic. I don't know if I'd call list, it a it disaster film. That's not on the list. It's a post-apocalyptic or getting close to the apocalypse film. It's not a disaster film. In I watched the same it again way. recently, and it has become even more... Some films become less relevant. Yeah. Children of Men have become more relevant. I love it. I think it's fantastic. And the whole migration thing. And it's, yeah, it's like yeah, a sort yeah. of dark nativity play, isn't it? Yeah, just the, the, the beautiful... It's a sci-fi. It's almost pure pure sci-fi. You know, the, the what-if scenario. What What if... There are no children to live for anymore. What? How selfish do people become? And the answer is very, uh, you know, it's brilliant. It's and talking brilliant of um, Michael Caine, yeah, yeah. he is in uh, the Daily Earth Court Fire 1961, playing a policeman who stops a barricade. He has three lines. All right, mate. All right, mate. Yeah, you can't, don't go down Chelsea Way. There's a bit of trouble down there. I can't do it. But it's so distinct. I thought, I, I look, you can't really see his face. And you can just, from those three lines, yeah, his voice is so distinct. I looked at him and went, oh, isn't it? So, even though it is the end of the world, there's hope for bit part actors that they might get a bigger role. So that's there. nice. Anything happy else? ending. Happy ending. Well, uh, that's probably enough for this week. Um, thank you for everyone who's emailed in. We are running out of emails, so if you would like to get in touch, then please do email us. The address is dearfilmfandango at gmail.com. Or if you'd like to share links you've found to things with others, then please go to our Facebook page, forward slash filmfandango. Or you can tweet us um, at filmfandango, at Mr. David Reed, or at Merrick Larwood. And we do all of this for free, so if you would like to uh, help us continue making it week in, week out, uh, then uh, please go to filmfandango.co.uk and press the donations button and you can give us whatever you feel is necessary for this to continue going um we will be back next week keep watching Watch the films, films. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.